Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, March 7th, 2022, and you're listening to episode 133 of the Can I Say Something podcast. Your host and a recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today is... Derek McDuff. Today on the show, we will be discussing what we've been watching, including spoilers for everything involved. We've got the SAG Award winners, Sam Elliott's thoughts on the power of the dog, and what we've been watching, including the eyes of Tammy Faye, I want you back, and Matt Reeves' The Batman. Right into the show, bicycle at gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger. What's up, Derek? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. Been doing a lot of podcasts recently, watching a lot of movies, been having a fun time. Nice, nice, awesome. Yeah, that, the uh, interview I did with um, Lena Wilson went up on Monday, so that was pretty fun. Uh, I believe you. Were yeah, that, that was great, well. man. That was yeah. that was a really you know good interview. She had a lot of interesting things to say. You got some good questions in there, I think too. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was uh, you know interesting talking to somebody that's like actually <laughs> out in the field doing the work, watching the movies, <laughs> uh, getting getting stuff published. It says uh, she grew up around. Uh, I don't know if she grew up around uh, Western Mass or Central Mass, but she went to school at Smith, which is, um, if anybody knows, that's in uh, Northampton, Mass. So I've gone out there a few times. It's sort of like, you know, I don't know how you would describe it. I don't know what the West Coast equivalent would be, but it's like a sort of uh, liberal, uh, you call it pocket in a very conservative area. Um, so it's got like that, you know, that that um, college town vibes of, you know, we got. Uh, we, we have the opposite out here. We do. We're very liberal. But then but then we have like the pockets like Orange County, where I live, where it's just like you get angry white people yelling at you on <laughs> everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got that, you know, that sort of um, gentrified sort of, you know, movie theater, uh, coffee shop, bookstore mm. on every corner. But it's a really nice little town. Highly recommend if you're ever in Central Mass, definitely check out uh, Northampton. Really great little, great little spot out there there so it's great 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 conversation mm. with her a very knowledgeable very um very well spoken very very uh great interview and highly, highly recommend checking that out yeah yeah i had a ton of fun listening to that yeah so why don't we get into some movie news this week the sag awards were sunday um coda took home the code the movie i believe you checked out last time we recorded uh, Coda uh, took home the biggest award, I guess, of the night. Uh, the best best cast was awarded to that movie. Also, Troy Kotzer won Best Actor in a Supporting Role. So this p- sort of uh, solidifies his uh, chances of winning uh, the Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars, correct? Yeah, yeah. that's a, It's a big indicator. Um, I think, what is it? I think it's about half the time or so the, the uh, winner of this award ends up winning the Oscar. Yes, yeah. So very, very nice to see that. Always good to see more inclusion in the awards there. Mm. Uh, no Time to Die won Best Ensemble, Stunt Ensemble, which I didn't even know was an award. Stunt Ensemble, yeah. <laughs> <It's a very laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. Weird sort of uh, category there. Uh, just, the Oscars just got, is taking away awards, but the SAG <laughs> Guild is, is adding awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting um, sort of selection there. Uh, Jessica Chastain won Best Actress for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So I took that opportunity to see The Eyes of Tammy Faye this week. I'll, talk about, I'll be talking about that a little mm-hmm. bit later. Um, it was the last movie I had to see for the major awards nominations. So I've officially seen all of the Best Actor, Best Actress uh, best uh, best movie, best directed movie of 2021. So very, 
happy to finally <laughs> have that finished out. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. You know, we'll nice, talk about nice, later, nice. but it was it was it was okay. She's very good in it. Mm. Um, you have Will Smith took home Best Actor, so that again pretty much solidifies his chances of winning this year. Obviously, we had a not a snafu, but a very uh, major surprise last year with um, Anthony Hopkins taking home the award, as opposed to what everyone thought was going to happen, which was Travis Boseman was going to get the posthumous yeah, award yeah, yeah. last year. So anything, really anything could happen. This is a, that was a really great example of, you know, the, 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 um, the vote isn't always rigged. The, you know, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. the thing yeah. isn't rigged there. So very good chance of him winning that based on his winning that Sunday. Uh, Ariana Bois got best female actress uh, award for supporting role. So that pretty much solidifies her going to win that for West Side Story, which you saw this week. Um, and you have Squid Game taking home the leads of best uh, drama series to Lee Jung Jai and Ho Yun Jung picked up the best leads in a drama. Uh, what do you think of that? That was interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, you don't, you kind of caught me off guard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very interesting award going to them. Then you have Gene Smart winning for Best Female Actor in Economy Series. Did you see – I don't know if we talked about uh, Hacks from last year. Did you, did you see that? I didn't see it, but I love Gene Smart, so I was yeah. just happy about that. Like she yeah. she pops up in you know, all these, these great genre shows like Legion and uh, Watchmen and stuff like that. So I was really happy to see her win because I'm a really big fan of hers. Yeah, yeah, great win for her. Um, and of course, Kate Winslet won for the ser- the other series that she was in last year, uh, Mayor of Easttown. Uh, fantastic show. If you haven't checked it out, highly recommend watching that. So Kate Winslet won Best Actress for a Miniseries or Television Movie in that category. So congratulations to her. Great, great, uh, great crop yeah, of yeah. picks this year. Really great. Is there any... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so moving on. Uh, is there any Best Picture win this, winner this year that you'd be mad at winning? I mean, I don't know what I would say mad more. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. You know, it's that vibe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that would probably be, uh, that would be Belfast, which uh, uh. I found to be a completely serviceable, boring movie with tone problems. Um, like, I was like, all right, Kenny, you gave us a solid three-star movie. Um, I was like, no one tell the Academy that he slipped in a Thor reference into that movie. He slipped in an MCU reference. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they'll take it. They'll take that nomination right back because they hate the MCU so much. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I found that movie to be a lot of the movies. I was like, all right, this is like a four and a half star movie, a four star movie that I thought was you know very you know above average. But uh, for me, Belfast is very much a C plus, just kind of just boring movie that uh i was just like if i had gone my entire life without seeing belfast it would not have made any difference on me at all yeah yeah exactly um so i think one person that would would get upset about a a particular movie winning this year would be the power of the dog i think sam elliott would be extremely upset (laughs) if that movie won this year he was on the wtf uh podcast this week uh just just going off hard on that movie, and I don't think uh, Mr. Boomerman <laughs> yeah. understood the themes of that movie very well because he said, "quote no, yeah. He said, "quote fuck no." So if he he was asked if he liked that movie, and he said, "quote fuck no." I look at it when I was down there in Texas doing 1883. What really brought it home to me the other day, there was a fucking full page ad on the L.A. Times, and there was a review, not a review, but a clip, talked about the evisceration of the American myth, and I was like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" 
This is the guy that's done Westerns forever. The evisceration of the American West. They made it look like, what are all those dancers that those guys in New York that wear bow ties and not much else? Remember from them from back in the day? Uh, Chippendale dancers. Yeah, that's what all these fucking cowboys in that movie look like. They're all running around in chaps and no shirts. There's these allusions to homosexual reality throughout that fucking movie. It's like, dude, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, uh, yes. You nailed the themes there, but you didn't quite internalize it. You didn't quite process the exact themes of what she, what she was showing there. But the Benedict Cumberbatch character in that movie alludes to multiple times in that movie where he's saying, you know, I, I graduated from whatever Ivy League school he graduated from. You know, he's from, she's from the city. So he's just cosplaying. He's pretending to be a cowboy. Of course, he isn't dressing like an actual cowboy. He's, of course, he's not acting like an actual cowboy because he isn't, you know. Yeah, he's just got that that toxic masculinity, you know, and I feel like as much as I love Sam Elliott, you know, his response was very much more toxic masculinity, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I guess he, you know, he grew up in San and uh, where did he grow up in Sacramento, I think. So he's not, a, you know, an actual ass cowboy, whatever, whatever that means. But yeah, just yeah. a just a very, you know, missed completely missed the mark there. So that was that was interesting yeah. this week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, yeah. I know he was. He took issue with uh, Campion being from New Zealand and making a movie yeah. about you know the, the American West. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, like Peter Jackson's not from fucking Middle Earth, you know. So, like, yeah, exactly. And don't tell him, you know, what the sp- what the spaghetti western was back in the day. Like, why did they call it that? Because they were made in fucking Italy. It's yep, like that's yep. that's the whole reason they were called that, dude. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you know, what the quote, what the fuck is this woman? She's a brilliant director, by the way. I love her work, previous work. But what the fuck does this woman from down there in New Zealand know about the American West? Bro, <laughs> nothing <laughs> is filmed where it's supposed to be filmed. Nothing <laughs> is actually filmed in the West. Nothing is filmed in Chicago or New York. Everything's filmed in Canada or in, um, yeah. you know, over in the UK. I forget where they filmed the Batman, but they didn't, they, they filmed some of that. In Chicago, but a lot of it's, you know, they didn't film in- that in Gotham City. What the hell? <laughs> exactly. You know, there's so many, uh, you know, tax breaks and everything that that production mm-hmm. that um, movie studios get for filming in certain areas. So, you know, so much, so much is filmed in Georgia nowadays. So much is filmed in, yeah, you know, places yeah. that they aren't actually supposed to be in. So it's like, dude, <laughs> how do you not know that yeah. at this point? <laughs> so, very, very interesting quotes this week on that. So uh, let's get to what we've been watching. I checked out Three Days of the Condor for some reason. I forget why. I had it, I had it written down, but decided to check that out this week. I think it was somebody was making references to you know the noir or the um, you know the, the the that sort of genre being included in the Batman. So I figured I'd check this out this week, and this was very good. Very good. Like a lot of these uh, movies that are. You know, based on uh, detective stories or like uh, espionage or political intrigue, they get very convoluted very quickly. Things like, um, you know, I'm struggling to think of what else is like that, but it has a very pretty simple plot. You know, it's just Robert Redford is working for a um, an arm of the CIA or an arm of the intelligence services that basically looks at books, looks at books that are being published or articles that are being, that are being published, and looks for actual CIA or F- FBI or NSA programs that are actually being put out there. So he cross-checks, cross-checks things like that. So he's very um he gets information that he's not supposed to get basically and somebody comes in and wipes out his entire um his entire agency and he's the one that survives and he has to sort of figure out who killed his crew and why so it's a very good one of those cliff robertson is in this and he has this incredibly uh, 
<laughs> pompous wig that is just going out of everywhere. It's it's <laughs> massive and it's dyed so dark. It's it's terrible. But uh, very distracted by that. <laughs> very good. Oh. Max von Sydow in this. Uh, Faye Dunaway in this, is in this. She's very good as this. So uh, yeah, highly recommend checking out uh, Three Days of the Condor. I think I saw this on Hulu. Uh, let's okay. see. Okay, that's one I've always heard about. Really good things about. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it is very good. Um, so that was on Hulu. Something we both checked out this week. Uh, I finally finished Peacemaker after it um, aired all of all of its episodes. You watched this as well. What'd you What'd you think of this? Mm-hmm. I I loved Peacemaker, and I think I've I've said on the show before, like it was not a show that I was initially very interested in, but it it really got me, and I, I just kept getting more and more and more into it as it went along. And I thought the finale was absolutely brilliant. Um, it gave us. It kind of really showed peacemaker's character development really well and that end where he kind of you know it, it gave the villains quote unquote villains you know well i mean they are villains they're doing bad things but for you know allegedly good reasons you know kind of the whole and justify the means and his decision at the end felt like really important and impactful and showed how far he'd come as a character and i love the little you know uh, like we're spoilers here, but that cameo by the Justice League because you just yeah. think, oh, you, they show up. And they're like, oh, okay, well, they're doing the thing they do where they just show up in silhouettes, and you're not gonna actually see yep. them. But then you actually see, you know, it's actually Jason Momoa and um and uh, what's his name? Fucking the woman strangler uh, who sucks <laughs> as a person, but uh, yeah. But I was like, okay, as, wow, as they Miller? actually they actually got him here. <laughs> Yeah, Ezra Miller is in there, and I think they just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they superimposed um, Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot in there because they yeah. didn't actually talk there. But, yeah, that was really funny. They – um, I watched – so it's eight episodes, and I binged the whole thing. I think that was a mistake because mm-hmm. the uh, the comedy, like every scene had to have a joke and like a little stinger at the end and little – everybody yeah. was yeah, super awkward. So, you know, I think that sort of great on me after watching eight straight hours of it. I think I would have enjoyed this a lot more watching it week to week. But, yeah, uh, you know – um, John Cena, I think it was born to be this guy. Very, very mm-hmm. funny. Very uh, takes the piss out of himself. Doesn't take himself too seriously. It's the perfect role for him. Uh, I love Steve, Steve Agee in this. Uh, Jennifer Holland is, was great as as Harcourt. Uh, Freddie mm-hmm. Stroma was great as um, the vigilante. He was hilarious in every scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Robert I, Patrick. I, I, you yeah. Bring you bring up a good point about Cena because, like, honestly, before this, I was not – I was like, I don't like this Cena guy, you know? Like, yeah. I was never into him. I thought he was kind of annoying and uh, all the memes and stuff. I was, and, But, man, he has such a good sense of humor about himself. And, you know, he, he allows himself to be a vulnerable character, whereas, like, a lot of other people in his situation, all the, a lot of these other, like, guys who are in Fast and the Furious – They've got to be the the quippy guy who never shows any vulnerability, never lose a fight or anything like that. And John yeah. Cena is just getting his ass kicked constantly in this show, yeah. and just you know, <laughs> he's kind of like he alludes to his character being a bad person, but he's trying to do. I I, I thought it was great. Like it, I am from the episode one to episode eight, I am completely turned around on Cena. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible in this. So many, so many great little characters, so many little great side characters. Yeah, highly highly recommend watching this. I think they're mm-hmm. they're going to do a season two. Um, so that's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Uh, so moving on, just a couple of things I want to talk about real quick before we get to the Batman. Um, let's see. We I watched Hell Hellbender, this very tiny, very low budget um, folk horror thing. I've been doing a lot of folk horror watching these last couple of months uh, because of the uh, documentary, the uh, was it Woodland Darken Days. So I've been checking out a lot of uh, contemporary. Uh, folk horror stuff and this is this is okay this has um 
directed by John Adams and his and I think his daughter and his wife Zelda Adams were in this. So it's this very interesting, um, tight knit crew of people that are have been making very micro budget uh, horror films for the past uh, like five or six years. This is you know it's got the the you know creepiness of the the woods and the witches and the you know keeping yourself um isolated and telling her telling the daughter that she's you know got a disease so she can't see other people and you're sort of wondering what that's about um they they they're actually part of a rock band so they're playing a lot of these weird um rock song punk songs in the background um really great performances by Zelda Adams as the daughter you know she's she's sort of discovering who she is and her lineage is part of the part of this witch family. So really good performances. Uh, I think I saw also that on uh, Hulu. So check that out called Hellbender. Uh, let's see. I yeah, checked out. Nice. Yeah, I checked out um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye um, this week to round out all of the Oscar nominated stuff. Um, so this has just this was directed by Michael Showalter. He was part of you know he was known for being in a lot of improv stuff back in the day. The uh, oh my the, god, I love Showalter stuff. I didn't know he did yeah. this. Okay, I'm gonna have to watch it now. I yeah. oh my god, I love Michael Showalter. <laughs> He's so great. He was in the state and Stella back in the day. Part of that whole improv crew. He did Wet Hot American Summer. He directed The Big Six. Yeah. So this is his latest. Uh, the stars. Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, and we have Vincent D'Onofrio playing Jerry Falwell in this. So this is very much, you know, the American evangelical um, married couple, uh, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker, as they rise to fame. And it's just, you know, it's it's sort of that standard, like, you know, uh, person from a small town, very, very small town, very small um, upbringing, but Southern upbringing is thrust into the limelight because they become super famous very, very quickly. And, you know, the uh, Jim Baker is known for uh, starting this giant corporation and starting this giant uh, TV show and being a larger than life figure. But because he's, he's trying to expand too quickly, there's allusions throughout the movie of him, you know, being very, very deep in debt. Um, just trying to get support from Jerry Falwell, and he's not, that's not going well because there's other people like Pat Robertson that becomes you know the guy that they're going to back and sort of gets into the political stuff of backing. Um, I think it was uh, George Bush Senior in in '88, and they said you know Pat Robertson might run, which has been fucking awful. <laughs> but uh, this movie basically <laughs> focuses yeah. on Tammy Faye Baker and sort of her. She was very much, you know, not politically in line with Jim Baker throughout much of their marriage. So there's that sort of um, going on in the background that starts to fray their marriage very, very quickly. There's allusions to Jim Baker being a homosexual. So, you know, you can't obviously be that if you're sort of part of a uh, religious fundamentalism yeah. there. So allusions to that. But uh, I thought Jessica Chastain was very, very good in this. Um, you know, very, it does that thing of, you know, she starts taking a lot of pills and gets on drugs and drinking a lot. So there's that, of course, in the background going on. But yeah, it was very interesting to see her being like, you know, like sort of, uh, you know, homosexuality isn't that bad. And, you know, we should let more black people in here and more, just uh, more inclusion. And they're just like, no, nope, nope. (laughs) What is it? What did your wife Uh, just say, Jim? Uh, Are you going to let her talk like that to you? uh, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'll talk to her later. I'll talk to her later. But it was just very interesting. You know, I guess she was uh, known for being uh, one of the first one of the first people at all in the country to even acknowledge HIV and acknowledge the gay community, acknowledge that mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, a, a contagious 
as, as contagious as of a disease as we first thought. So, you know, very, very good movie. We're all, we're all well-rounded. Uh, so I'd recommend watching that. I believe that is yeah. on HBO Max right now. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to, I would, I had no interest in that movie at all before like this podcast. Like I was like, all right, nominated for some Oscars stuff. I'm trying to not watch the best pictures nominees, but that's probably yeah. about it. Uh, but then you, as soon as you said show Walter, I was like, I'm on board. Like, like I love Michael, obviously wet hot American summer. It's I think one of the, that's one of the times I laughed more than any other times in my entire life. Yeah. And then the Baxter and they came together um, his more commercial films too that are less absurdist, you know, like role models. I love so I I absolutely love Michael Showalter. I think he is a comedic yeah. genius. Um, so I'm gonna see this for sure now. Oh, really? Very, very, very good. A um, couple more things I watched this week. I I saw I want you back. This is a uh, romantic comedy starring Charlie Day, uh, Jenny Slate, and Scott Eastwood, son of uh, Clint. Uh, it's got uh, Manny Jacquiao from uh, The Good Place. Um, really, really funny, really, uh, you know, interesting premise where, you know, Charlie Day and Jenny Slate get, get broken up with, and it's got that sort of like, uh, you know, sitcom, uh, premise where they're trying to get back with their exes and sort of go on this very elaborate plan to get them back. Uh, Manny Jacquiao was great in this, uh, Jenny Slate. I really, I think Jenny Slate's a very underappreciated, uh, actress, very funny, very funny performer. Charlie Day is always great as always. So. Definitely uh, check it out. I want you back. I believe that's streaming right now on Amazon Prime. That's one of the ones I've been, I want to watch since it came out. I think it came out on like Valentine's Day yeah. or right about there. And, you know, there's so few rom- traditional rom-coms that get made nowadays. They're all, the only ones that come out are ones for streaming services, which obviously this is a prime um, straight to streaming thing. Um, so I always try to watch them, especially when it's got actors like it that I really like in it, like this one does. Um, it's just I've been so busy watching everything for yeah. podcasts and for yeah. the award season that I'm like, <laughs> all right, when am I going to get around to watching just this movie yeah. for myself? So I need to take some time and have some self care and just watch. <laughs> yeah, movie. yeah, exactly. Uh, highly recommend watching that. Then one last thing I'll, I'll talk about is Fresh. This is a movie uh, put out on Hulu. This was a uh, Sundance uh, premiered movie earlier this year. I heard. Pre- Pretty good things about it. It's got, I think it's got like an 80, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's the low budget thriller horror movie, uh, directed by Mimi Cave, uh, starring Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier himself. Um, so it's basically one of those like, um, woman meets a guy, they have a date, things go well. Uh, he takes her to a secluded cabin, which again, this is the second time I've seen that. That uh, trope in a movie the past couple of weeks, so it's just like, please, guys, make your character smarter than that. You just met this guy, and he's taking you to a cool yeah. cabin. Just don't, just don't do that, please. <laughs> so things spiral out yeah. of control very, very quickly. Um, I believe it's like an hour and a half thing. So highly recommend watching uh, Fresh. I believe it's uh, available on Hulu. It just it literally just premiered, I think, yesterday, March fourth. On that. very yeah. nice, very nice. So. With that, let's get to let's get to Matt Reeves' The Batman. It's the biggest movie of the year so far. I believe it's going to break in at least $150, $200 million over the weekend. Of course, stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Real fast, do we, do, are we just yeah. going to... Are we, do you want, do I, can I go oh. real fast, go, go through <laughs> what I've been watching? That. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we can skip no, it if no, we no, want no, to. No, you go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah. 
Uh, well, because I uh, I finally got around to one that uh, we've been talking about a little bit on this show, uh, and that is um, West Side Story. Oh yes, finally yes, got yes, around to course. watching that, and uh, yeah, and uh, I dug it. You know, I um, it was one of those ones. I was like, all right, you know, I I kind of had been putting it off, and I didn't see it in theaters, but then they put it on uh, Disney Plus. So I was like, all right, well, I guess you know, uh, I might as well take three hours of my day and, and watch <laughs> this movie. Um, but but yeah, it uh, it was good. It was really good. Um, you know, Steven Spielberg made a really good movie. It felt very um, it it felt like a really good combination between an old the old style of um, kind of just filmmaking. It feels very classic, but also updated and fresh. It doesn't feel like you know like I'm thought the original West Side Story is fine. I I do much prefer this one. It felt like it moves at a clip. It is you know very much very very cinematic. Um. Maybe maybe at times overly cinematic, you know, there with the abundance of just like lens flares every three yeah. seconds, it just you know, like J.J. Abrams has nothing on like Star Trek. <laughs> they love the people love to talk shit about the lens flares in Star Trek, but this movie was a whole nother level. Um, but yeah, it it uh, it feels like it's trying to it's kind of tricking you where it's like it feels old more old school than it is. But yeah, uh, Spielberg's a great director. Uh, this was this was a great uh, story and a great movie for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I love this as well. One of my favorite things I've seen, uh, you know, since in the in the Oscar season. Like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, it just the camera movements and the you know the 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 uh, mm. kinetic energy just in every frame. That there's that one one shot. I think it's uh, when they're pulling into the uh, auditorium during the during one of the first big dance sequences that's an incredible shot um what did you think of the the main, uh, main lead i forget what his name was so if i can pull it up here. oh yeah. anton elgort he was no he was not good no, no, he no. was uh he wasn't yeah. horrible but i felt like he was just miscast yes. um yeah he, he's a, like i like him as an actor i think he's really good in baby yeah. driver for example um then i think it was great in this and uh also like Aesthetically, I feel like um, not a good pairing yeah. because he is like six two, six three, and um, the female lead in this I forget her name is five oh. one. So like they, it's weird because he is like whenever you like see a shot of them, he's like fully like bending over, like like she'll just be standing up and he'll be like leaning in like yep. an awkward, weird way, yep. so like they can both be in the frame <laughs> at the same level. And I thought that was. A weird, interesting choice, you know, to have this like really tall dude. Now you can, like kind of comment on it in a movie where she's like, "You're tall," and he's like, oh, "Yeah." It's <laughs> just like that was, yeah. I it was like the Jack Reacher thing, but uh, in reverse, whereas you know they cast in the original Jack Reacher, like you know this famously humongous dude. They cast Tom Cruise, just like you know five foot five or whatever it is. Uh, so I thought they could have maybe cast an actor that was closer in height to the female lead. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe one who is more suited for this movie, but yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. What's the year? So Rachel Ziegler was played play Maria. So so good in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the breakout stars of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Ari- Ariana DeBois played Anita. Really, really great performance there. Uh, let's see. David Alvarez was great as Bernito. Uh, you had a great cameo by Rita Moreno. She was great in this. Yeah, great, great, great cast all around. Of course. Yeah, she she was great. Yeah. Weird seeing Corey Stoll with hair, that. though. I'm just yeah. going to say that. I'm like, <laughs> when he took off, I'm like, oh, look, he's he's growing out the sides, you know? Okay, he did it for the role, and then he takes off his hat, and that first scene is like, what the hell is that rug on top of your head? <laughs> yeah, almost as bad as the uh, uh, Three Days of the Condor uh, headpiece there. Yeah, <laughs> not great, not great there. But uh, yeah, really, really great movie. One of the one of the best uh, movie-growing experiences I had. So you didn't see this in theaters. You saw this on uh, 
on TV at home. Yeah, yeah, I watched I watched it on Disney Plus. Plus. Yeah, yeah, great, great movie going experience. Uh, so you actually you also watched uh, nice. some documentaries this week. Yeah, I, I've been on a documentary kick. You know that has been kind of my one thing that I've been like watching for myself. Um, one of the things I've been watching on just kind of my breaks at work and stuff. The story of film slowly, um, which is you know I'm just trying to brush up on my film knowledge and and getting information on film history and stuff like that any way I can. Um, so that's one thing I've been kind of doing. Um, it's a really interesting documentary series. I think it's like, so it's, 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 it's very long. Um, so I've been watching in just kind of 15, 30 minute chunks um, at work. Um, but what kind of inspired me to watch that was this other documentary I watched called uh, Love on Tosha, which is uh, the documentary about Anton Yelchin, um, who, if anybody's not familiar, he was the actor who played, most famous for playing Chekhov um, in the Star Trek uh, 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 reboot J.J. Abrams series. Uh, I think he was one of the most brilliant actors ever. Tragically, died at the age of 28, and uh, I'd been meaning to watch the movie about him for years uh, since it came out in 2019. Um, but it was a very limited release, so I never got a chance to see it. And finally, it's on streaming, um, so I watched it. I believe it was on it's on Peacock for free, and it's on a few couple other I think maybe IMDb, a couple of other free sites. And it is so interesting the story of this guy's life, and he was such a student of film and like he was he's like a poet and a photographer and just his life was very 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 interesting and he's such i've always really been a fan of him as an actor since i saw charlie bartlett way back in the day and i was kind of like man i need to brush up my film like my boy <laughs> anton here uh so that was really good a, a really good story about a really interesting character or a really interesting person uh, and then on the opposite side, I watched a documentary called Overnight about a terrible yeah. person, which is, uh, for anybody who is not familiar, uh, Overnight is this really great documentary from 2003, uh, and it was shot by a guy whose name is Tony Montana, that's his actual name, <laughs> um, but he was uh, shooting, he was hired by Troy Duffy, um, for anybody who doesn't know, that is the guy who made the Boondock Saints, uh, and to kind of chronicle uh, his, Troy Duffy's ascension to fame, this kind of bartender who got plucked out of nowhere, never been to film school or anything, and wrote this this screenplay that everybody was going crazy for, and just this, and it just chronicles Troy Duffy's absolute, just like, the ego, and just how much of a horrible asshole this guy is, and how, and I, you know, like, there's very few movies that I'm just like, fuck this movie, but with the Boondock Saints, fuck that movie, it's a it's a very bad movie that has, espouses a horrible message made by an absolute right. sociopath. And if you don't think that Troy Duffy is a sociopath, watch this movie and just see how horrible he is to everyone around him and how he is just these delusions of grandeur. Just really interesting look into this and how he basically doesn't even want to the pay um, Tony Man Montana and just like he's like if you get anything from me it'll be a gift and so it's just him chronicling the life of this asshole and it's so interesting that we got this glimpse into the life of this guy and this he was given this once in a lifetime opportunity that nobody gets and, and he just pissed it away and just like you know lost funding for his movie and then it finally got made and nobody liked it and just you know couldn't get distribution anywhere so it really really good if you like films i would say check out both of these documentaries, or all three of these documentaries, both documentaries and the doc series, uh, you know, very, very interesting looks into filmmaking and the people that it attracts. Nice, awesome. 
Uh, did you want to talk about uh, Captain Ahab, the story of uh, Dave, Dave Steve? Oh, yes. I forgot about yeah. that one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I mentioned down here a couple times the uh, the documentary series done by um, uh, John Boyce. He did the history of the Seattle Mariners. He did the history of the Atlanta Falcons. And he's just started a new one, um, uh, uh, which is called Captain Ahab. And it's about uh, the, the story of Dave Steve. This really I didn't know anything about him going in. Uh, so far, it's only been one episode, but I watched the first episode. Uh, really compelling story about this bizarre dude um in the uh major league baseball in the 70s and 80s and um just kind of like all of john boyce's documentaries so free on youtube and it just it has all these really interesting graphs and charts and breaks down sports in a way that even if you're not a sports fan i think you are going to be very interested in like telling these unique stories that you don't really see talked about this would never be a 30 for 30 for example but like this is a very very interesting character and a very interesting person that i'm excited to see there's gonna be three more episodes so definitely gonna be uh reporting back with more of that uh so that's cool uh, a couple documentaries where did you see those stuff by the way so um love on tosha is on um uh peacock uh the overnight is on um it's on a few those are both on a lot of free apps they're the ones you get i think they're all on pluto tv um also imdb tv and then um uh, captain ahab is on youtube um so it's just a youtube documentary series uh, secret base is the name of the youtube channel oh awesome or sb nation actually sb nation uh awesome does it. awesome some great stuff there um so now <laughs> now we'll get to uh <laughs> Now, now, now we'll yeah, get so. to Matt Reeves' Batman, obviously starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, I got Jeffrey Wright in here as uh, James Gordon, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Uh, so did you see this in IMAX or just a regular theater? Yeah, I, I saw it in the IMAX. Um, big, big, big yes. screen. <laughs> the the Zack Snyder ratio and everything. <laughs> big screen. Very, very loud, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, it had the Dolby surround sound. Made sure to, you know, get the uh, full experience. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely loud. I feel like I feel like movies are getting louder. Do you think that? I think yeah. I think that some of them definitely they're either getting louder or quieter. You know, some like some of them want to be like quiet, contemplative dramas, and some of them want to be just like we got to crank up a Hans Zimmer. In yeah, this exactly, one. exactly. <laughs> so I've been. A- Oh, yeah. that, that reminds yes, me, real sure. quick story. Uh, so the other, it was my brother's birthday about a week ago, and uh, uh, he was, we're at my parents' house, and we both ended up, like, spending the night at my parents, because we had been drinking a lot, and uh, I he slipped, he was in his, he was in the guest room, and I was in an inflatable mattress right outside of it, and at three in the morning, I knew he woke up, because I, he could hear him watching The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> and I could tell it was that movie because I could kind of hear like the little, like very muffled voices and I would hear a muffled Hans Zimmer-esque. Uh, but then as clear as day, I would just hear like every word that Bane was saying <laughs> because he is right at the, it just like, it'd be like, rrr, rrr, and then I was just, ah, for you. <laughs> it's just like, I think you give that, gives you power over me. You know, it's just like I could just, it's crisp. I was like, oh man, that is really at the forefront of that. Yeah, that sound. you were born in the darkness. Or I was born in the darkness. You adopted it. The Batman. <laughs> it's like the first time I heard that in the, th- I watched yeah, the first time I heard that in the theater, I was like, is this real? Is this a joke? <laughs> what is this? They had like the, the first scene in that is like in a, in a plane, right? And they took off the, the shroud and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, 
does that thing hurt? And he's like, it would be extremely, he said, would it hurt if I take this off? And he's like, it would be extremely painful. Oh yeah, you're a big guy. And he's like, for you. (laughs) Oh my God. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So the Batman 2022 directed by Matt Reeves. Are you a Matt Reeves guy? Did you like the, uh, the apes movies that he directed? Oh, I am a huge Matt Reeves fan. Um, his Apes movies are some of my favorite films, especially, uh, well, the second one in the series, but the first one he did, um, which is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I thought was, it might be my favorite blockbuster of the past 10 years. I Between that and maybe Endgame, yeah. I, I absolutely love Matt Reeves. I think he is one of the smartest guys making films on this scale and one of the few people who still makes franchise films that is able to kind of do what he wants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, did you see his remake of let the right one in? Let me in. I did. I did. I, I did enjoy that movie a lot. I wasn't familiar with the original, but I really thought that was an interesting eerie Film. I haven't seen it since it came first came out, but I do I did remember liking it quite a bit. Yeah, I've seen the original. I haven't seen the remake, but with this movie coming out, everybody's talking about his, you know, filmography and saying that Let Me In is actually a really good uh, American remake of a foreign film. So definitely want to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it. And then of course I love Cloverfield as well, like, you know, which this is the film that introduced both myself and the, the yeah, world to Yeah, him. that's a great that's a great one as well. So let's uh, to set up this one. Um, you know, I watch. I love the Batman, the the, the Nolan Batman movies. When they first, I saw the, I saw them all in theaters. Really great uh, movies. Um, but his Batman was a Bush administration uh, era. You know, war and terror. He was a soldier, right? Because he had the he had the armor on. He he had you know this tank like mm-hmm. uh, Batmobile. So it was very much a reaction to and a, and a held of a mirror to. You know, mid two thousands, late two thousands, uh, America w- with that Batman, right? Um, and so yeah. Reeves's Batman, in my eyes, this this Batman is very much a reaction to and sort of a um, a mirror holding up the mirror to our current political climate with the you know Obama administration, his hope and change uh, slogan for his his administration and his campaign. And so you have a very much a prominent yeah. AOC, Stacey, Stacey Abrams type with the uh, mayor, the person running for mayor in this movie. Um, unfortunately, don't have her name pulled up. But um, yeah, really, really interesting uh, dichotomy between there for if you look at these movies and hold them up as as symbols, as, um, you know, a again, a reaction to the current political climate. This is very much that. Right. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. So this is a very interesting, like, you have a lot of genres in here. As I've heard, like, four or five reviews going into this and everyone saying it's, you know, uh, it's a mashup of different genres. You have, um, obviously, the de- detective noir genre with old movies like The Big Sleep. And you have Chinatown. With the, definitely the narration is very reminiscent of things like Chinatown and uh, things like that. I think Seven had a, had a narration to it, right, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it had a uh, Morgan Freeman, you know, doing his narration, just like this is the, the this is a there's a quote and it said there's two things and the uh this is a world worth fighting for and I will do it and he's like and I agree or <laughs> and I agree with the first this first part or it, it whatever was something he said, like the yeah. world is a fine place and worth fighting for and he's like I agree with the last part yeah that's yeah, what it is yeah yeah. 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 
Um, so it's a, it's it's such a wet and sloppy environment like uh, Fincher's Seven. It's I remember thinking back on it, it was raining all the time in Seven. I remember multiple times in Fight Club that white wet sloppy punches of people being punched in the face and their just their flesh and their sweat and their blood being dripping over everything. It's very similar to that. Without the blood, I, I just thought of that at the end of this movie when I was like the guy's getting punched in the face over and over again, and they do a close up of the, of the guy at the end uh, on the rafters there after bed and punches him like 17 times in the face and all you see is some light bruising. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> this doesn't seem right. And I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's a PG-13. Do you think this movie would have been better served as, a, as an R-rated film? You know, maybe actually. Like I could see, I could see like there being like, a, like once it comes out in DVD, like check out the R cut and it'll, because you know, you can always see when the PG-13 stuff, they like, they have to take out some of the blood and gore and I feel like that really robs the movie of a lot of its impact and if you see cut back and you see this guy's face beat to a pulp like he's jared yeah. leto in fight yeah. club or something and you would be like oh shit you'd be like like batman needs to like chill out you're maybe more like oh i think that moment hits a little bit different yeah, yeah exactly um so the beginning of this movie has this slow building dread of like folk horror i'm, I'm balls deep in folk horror right now so very much reminded me of all <laughs> those movies that i'm that i'm invested in right now because the opening scene is of the riddler and he's Taking out his first his first victim being being the mayor and you you're in his you know you're in his point of view and you're watching him watch somebody else so it's very in the whole movie I believe the first like twenty minutes is just very 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 long takes I thought it was interesting how you have the kid basically playing this sword he's he's dressed up as some sort of swordsman sort of like Zorro because I was thinking like you know what are what 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 were the first mm. masked vigilantes in in uh, pop culture and it was very much Zorro back in the day. So it was an interesting callback there. Um, narration. Was- oh yeah. And Batman always calls back to Zorro, you know, like I think they even call it out at some point in this movie and his parents, when uh, one of the versions gets shot, going to see a screening of Zorro. And th- so there's always a lot of con- connective tissue, I think between Batman yeah, exactly. and Zorro. Um, we already talked about the narration. It was very evocative of things like taxi driver and, and Chinatown. The, uh, one of the big things that people are talking about this movie, and is in, it is absolutely incredible. One of the best scores I've heard. Uh, the music composer was is Michael Giacchino, which is very interesting. <laughs> Looking at his uh, library of music, he did the theme to Up. My favorite composer, by the way. I, I fucking yeah. love him. Oh my god! I, I like he he ne- like it's between him and Hans Zimmer. So like ironically, it's the last two people who've worked on Batman films. But ever since his. Uh, he's a lot of score on Lost, and uh, like I've been all in. Like he's done like all the Pixar films. Uh, he's you know he's taken over um, for Star Wars. He uh, he's done you know he did Rogue One, just absolutely brilliant. Does a lot of really interesting weird things with his scores. Yeah, it's incredible. One of the best scores I've I've heard in a very long time. It's just it's a very um, interesting and very skillful thing that he's doing here because it is such a repetitive. And thrumming baseline throughout is is literally just like bomb, 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 bomb throughout the entire thing. But he uses such such cool <laughs> variations on it. it; it didn't get old at all. It's got these haunting strings, these weird sounds of wind drafting throughout the rafters and gongs, and just one of the best scores I've heard in a very long time. 
Um, and then you have incredible cinemat- cinematography, yeah. some of these great set piece moments uh, staged and composed so, so well by the cinematographer, Greg Frazier. He just came off of, of Dune. He did The Mandalorian. He did Rogue One, which you, which you mentioned, and he did Zero Dark Thirty. Um, so many incredibly um, composed images when he's fighting the guys in Falcon's office and you have the guns going off. The, the whole scene is just lit only by the, uh, the gun flare there. So that was incredible. Um, it reminded me of the corridor, uh, corridor scene in Rogue One where Vader comes in with his uh, red lightsaber. Very evocative. Yeah, very yeah. evocative and very rem- that that and reminded me a lot of the Daredevil. And you know, it's not one take, but it's just that brutality of just going down this hallway and just beating the shit out of these guys. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, when when the scene where he's got the uh, you know penguin in the upside down car when he's walking there, just incredibly lit moments too. It reminded, reminded me of I don't have it written down, but it reminded, now it's reminded me a lot of. Um, the assassination of Robert Ford, that film that was shot by Roger, Roger Deakins, they used oh, a lot yeah. of natural lighting in that film too. So it reminded me a lot of that. Really, really great um, shot movie. Uh, so you have, you know, obviously great performances by uh, our Pat, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, was this your favorite uh, Robert Pattinson performance thus far? That's, t- I mean, he's such an yeah. interesting actor. I mean, I maybe, yeah. I mean, the, he was obviously like really, really great in The Lighthouse. and. He's he's a small part, but in the King, he's so fucking weird. I love that scene. He's just like, oh yes, how's it going, Timothy Chalamet? I am the Dauphin. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy? He's yeah. so weird. I fucking love it. So, but this this yeah, I think this might be my favorite Art Pat performance for sure. And he's got that hair that like swoops like he's a fucking yep. teen idol yep. in the nineties. I goddamn love it. Uh, another thing that people are talking about with this movie is a significant lack of actual um, Bruce Wayne in this movie. What did you make of that? Yeah, I noticed that. I I thought like I was like this is he's really they're not really giving us any Bruce Wayne. It's just mostly about him being Batman and him doing Batman shit and you don't have that obligatory scene where he's like, "Oh, well, I've got to go do this thing as Bruce Wayne," you know, and like that's cool and all, but yeah, they took a different approach with this one that I mean, I'm all right with it. It's called the Batman, yeah. so, you know, let's see some Yeah, more exactly. Batman. I love I love the voice he went with cuz it's not it's not growling at all. It's not gruff. It's just like a sort of a whisper mm-hmm. as he's being Batman. So that that, that yeah. was a really good choice not to over over uh exaggerate the gruffness as a lot of people tend to do. Um Jeffrey Wright was great as great, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Wright was great as uh commissioner not commissioner but uh lieutenant Gordon whatever whatever he is. At this point, um, mm-hmm. John Turturro was incredible as Carmine Falcone. Really, really great turn in this movie. I love, I love seeing mm-hmm. Turturro do the gangster stuff. I talked about him in uh, Miller's Crossing a few weeks ago. He's so great. What do you think of Turturro in this? Oh, he's yeah. I kind of I didn't know he was in this. I was like, oh, that's John Turturro. Yeah. Like I was like, I know, and I just like I don't know why. Whenever I see him, like I think of his line in Transformers One, which is such a weird, dumb line where it's just like criminals are hot and i just like <laughs> that's what it played in my brain when yeah. i saw and i was just like he's so good he's just very just like sinister but jovial at the same time like in a way that very few people he's got that you know brings that kind of coen brothers-esque energy to this you know very serious role and you know he's, he's very he feels like it's like oh yeah this guy could be your friend but also he is a crazy murderer like i i, I thought yeah it was great. yeah <laughs> exactly um let's see what else we got here uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Um, you know, it was interesting watching him because, you, you know, obviously in a post uh, Dark Knight world, what are you going to do? You can't go anywhere else, you know, past or you can't really add on to 
Heath Ledger's performance in that. So it's because it's so iconic and so that and so him. You can't do. You can't. Uh, you know, ape anything from that. You can't, if you go, if you tread anywhere close to that performance, you're like, everyone's just going to say, oh, you just, you're just doing Ledger. So what did you think of Paul Dano's Riddler in this? I mean, he could have used some more like fart jokes and Ace Ventura noises. And <laughs> no, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, I really liked him. Riddler has always been one of my favorite Batman villains. And he, he felt like this really interesting Zodiac inspired but for like the 21st century and just kind of like the internet trolls like you know the people who lurk on the web and just like guys who are just like angry at the world for not giving them what they want the angry white man you know that we've kind of touched on before and like you know they're seeing documentaries about it so he just really fit that updated that character really well and I like the Riddler because he always He's like a intellectual match for Batman, and that really came through in this. And uh, I, Dano is so fucking weird, and I thought that he was really, really good in this. Yeah, role. yeah. You touched on it a little bit, so why don't we talk about it now? The um, is it too close to reality? The the white um, incel, um, angry keyboard warrior guy, because we just saw like a little more than a year ago, insurrectionists trying to take over the Capitol. And now we have literally, you know, the same sort of the same thing here where, you know, we'll get into spoilers a little bit later, but just to, to allude to it, you know, you have his, it's, it's, you know, you know, normally you go into a movie with a superhero, right? And it's, and it's henchmen. It's, it's on, it's masked henchmen. It's unknown henchmen. But now you've really, you've given these people an identity. You've given them, given them all these people like a following and a very specific following where they're, you know, attacking a very specific person with guns and trying to literally assassinate a black progressive candidate for mayor. Was this too close to reality right now? Uh, I think it was. It was perfect. Like, I, it was close to reality, but that's what I enjoyed about it. You know, it felt like Matt Reeves was commenting on something from the real world and, you know, just about how, like, you know, without going too much into spoilers, just is Batman having a positive effect or a negative effect? And the people that he's inspiring are maybe, you know, uh, not having, taking the message that he's intending and, you know, him just kind of going out and, you know, be, being this angry white guy and just him, him influencing these other dudes and just, uh, I, I thought it was really good and touching on, you know, like you said, the kind of insurrectionists, these people who are, how, like, you know, you couldn't make this movie, this Batman movie in the 80s, but now the internet is such a breeding ground for this kind of toxicity and they, you can get these echo chambers that exist that no one can see in the real world that exist in these dark corners of the internet. Um, and that has become so prevalent, especially since 2016, um, that I think this was a really important, poignant movie um, for yeah, that. Yeah, well said. Um, so let's see. What else we got? Colin Farrell as the Penguin. He was incredible. <laughs> I think if you go into this movie yeah. not knowing he's the Penguin, um, I think you'd very, be very much surprised to find out it was him. I think people... Uh, you know, talking about lack of humor in this movie, I thought he was one of the bright spots in there pertaining to pertaining to the humor. <laughs> we have one of the parts in the movie that, you know, we talk about uh, Batman being the great world's greatest detective and he's yelling at the guys. He's yelling at Batman and uh, Gordon about it's El, El Bata, you stupid idiot. It's not La Bata. It's El Bata. It's a rat <laughs> with wings. And right now what I'm looking at in front of me, what's a rat with wings? A freaking bat, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that was great and i also saw that with uh my co-host from my show alan and you know he's 
he's uh you know he's grew, grew up speaking Spanish and he was just like cracking up at the part where they like he's like his Spanish yeah. is terrible. So I I I thought that was really great. There's he's got a lot of just like great just hilarious lines. Um, he was kind of the much needed comic relief while also being kind of sinister character in his own right. Um, so. You know, I love that when he's like, I didn't shoot him. What are you talking about, Batman? <laughs> come on, he's a penguin. He's me, the penguin. No, forget about it. Are you just going to leave me? Come on, come on, guys. He was so great in this, man. He was, And, of course, he was part of the incredible, um, you know, one of the best car treats I've seen in a long time. People are complaining about it's not um, – it's not mm, – yeah. the visual geography of the car chase – wasn't great, but I think that was the point of it, you know, to put the camera lens to make the point of view being the rearview mirror, being um, Penguin's face, a lot of, um, you know, in the car shots, a lot of close ups, a lot of that sort of stuff. But I think it really worked. One of the moments that I really wish people, you know, cheered out for was the part where, you know, he's, he's being chased and the, these tractor trailers are overturning. There's a giant explosion and, um, you know, Batman finally hits the accelerator or the NAS button, whatever the hell it's called, and just boom, takes off over that ramp. I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. This is why this is why you go to the movie theater. This is why you come to the come to these movies for this moment right here. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was real that whole chase, like I was like on the edge of my seat, you know, my friend who I was seeing with like we were kinda like slapping each other, like, oh my god, look at this and then you know, like the penguin's like ah I got him away, got and then you. he just—I got you. I got you. Flames, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. So, talk oh, about yeah. action set pieces when he's leaving the um, the police station. Again, this is year two Batman. This is young-ish Batman. He's still getting used to all the gear and and uh, you know. Um, traveling throughout the city he has he's not that you know swinging around batman with the bat hook just swinging around like like spider-man he's not used to that yet so there's a part where he's in the police station and, and he has to escape so he goes to the very top of the building he goes and jumps on top of the um the gargoyle like you always see him doing but this you know it's a different batman it's a younger batman like i said he's inexperienced he's jumps on the gargoyle and stops for for a while and gets scared of jumping off it's like you've never really seen that batman before where he's scared to do the thing you see him do a thousand times which i thought was very interesting did you yeah yeah that was an interesting beat i was like whoa batman's scared right now you don't see that a lot but yeah that was that was really great yeah, very interesting way he travels now it's not the it's not just his you know bat wing somehow you know gets enough uh <laughs> tension or it's not rigid enough to to support his weight it's this like um what is it like a like a uh, squirrel squirrel wingsuit basically is what it is people actually do that oh, yeah, yeah people yeah, actually yeah. do this where you can see them on, on youtube look up like you know squirrel winged outfits and people will have like a gopro attached to their head and it's incredibly terrifying one of the craziest things i've ever seen but he has that and so he does that for you know maybe 30 seconds before he he starts coming down next to under a under a bridge and he lets out the the parachute and he just barely gets under the bridge and tumbles on top of a truck and wipes out on the side of uh, on the sidewalk and he just gets up and I'm like okay all right what is this guy made of at this point Jesus <laughs> yeah right. yeah that that moment I was like whoa okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see so there was a great moment I forgot about it. I just added recently where the, for, uh, one of the moments that when he's doing the de- detective work and. You know, he goes and he finds that the uh, Riddler told him the word drive. So he's like, okay, it's got to be <clears throat> the mayor's car. So he goes to the mayor's car with Gordon and he goes in and looking for a USB uh, 
outlet or adapter or whatever, and he finds a thumb drive. A literal thumb drive because it has <laughs> the mayor's thumb attached to it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's fucking gross, but cool as well. <laughs> I lo- oh, this guy's, this guy's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, the entire movie, they had um, they had Matt Reeves on the big picture this week talking about how he came to the, the aesthetic look of the movie and how he was talking to his cinematographer about, you know, he wants to have this really washed out grainy look to it. He wants to have, you know, actual water on the lens. If the car is shaking, he wants the camera shaking as well. He wants you really down in the dirt with it. And you have, if you look on the, I was looking for this too, because I listened to the interview before I watched the movie. So you look at the edges on every, basically every scene you have very, very unfocused, very washed out edges of the movie. I was wondering what you made of that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I didn't really think about that before you brought it up, but it is it is almost very much like old style cinema, like the old way that, you know, all the silent films used to be where kind of the edges were washed out. And, you know, the reason they did that in those movies, because they were like, OK, this is this is not a, the real world. This is not a this is a fantasy that we're going into. And I think they very much brought that old style kind of back for this, where they were kind of like, yeah, this is a kind of, you know, this is this is a movie you're going to that is in this hazy dark world with the rain all the time and it's it almost reminded me a little bit of you know and you kind of alluded to this how about talk about all the natural light and how everything was so dark um and i think this fits into that too how the old batman series like the 90s one instead of animating on white paper they would draw on black paper and that this feels like the filmic equivalent of that yeah exactly yeah yeah really well said yeah it's 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 so dark and grimy, and I think again, it's 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 very evocative of Fincher's stuff in the '90s because it, it really is. You know, you I watched Fight Club a, few, a couple of years ago. We we're doing Brad Pitt's top five uh, movies, and it's just so like the it's not washed out, and it's not grimy. Well, it is grimy, but it, it's the movies on film just look different, and they feel different. And unfortunately, we're pivoting yeah. towards more and more digital stuff. And I think I was mentioning this when we were talking about Power of the Dog, where I watched early. Jane Campion's early stuff and then immediately pivoted to this one. It has such a, you know, like I said, glossy and and really clean looking stuff. And I think Matt Reeves is, was trying his best to push back against this, even though he did film them digital. I think he said, you know, they filmed on digital and then they transferred it film and then they had to transfer it back, obviously. Um, but yeah, very, very, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see if there's any way to make film again, to, to get back to that feeling because what he did here, I think he gets very as close as somebody can get in 2022 to making a movie that's shot on digital, but look like it was shot in film. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there's this really good documentary. Anybody who's interested in film versus digital, it's a little outdated now because it's from Fuse It Back, but it's called Side by Side. And it kind of talks about, you know, um, I was very unknowledgeable about before I watched this documentary um, a few years back, but it talks about the differences between shooting on film and shooting digitally so if you are interested in that definitely see if you can hunt uh, anybody can hunt that uh yeah yeah down. i've heard of that as well um so let's talk about zoe kravis a little bit we haven't really mentioned her she was very very good in this we just yes, please. <laughs> we just talked about her recently in kimi very very <sighs> much different uh performance in this the thing i heard going into this was she's she was her character and herself was saddled with um, trying to um, deliver a lot of exposition in her dialogue. And I felt people were saying, you know, she's great, great actress, great um, character, great uh, performance by her. But unfortunately, she was settled with a lot of exposition. I felt like they did a really good job of sort of um, spreading out the exposition um, giving 
to other characters. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think that she was. I mean, she she does kind of like move the plot along, and uh, but you do care about her. Her relationships with these other characters are very interesting. I think she is kind of the heart of it. A lot of these characters are very cold and closed off. Um, you know, especially Bruce. Um, you know, even Alfred and all the mobsters. They're they're very cold characters. Where she is very lively, and she's doing this because she cares about her her friend, her friend Annika, and. You know, she she's the one who makes the jump in the, with Bruce and kisses him and kind of sparks this in him. So, and Kravitz is great. Their chemistry is just electric. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the chemistry that the leads in West Side Story yeah. had. I think these two had some great chemistry. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, one person we didn't really talk about yet was Peter Skarsgård. He was in this movie for a little bit, but he did have one yeah. of the best moments in the movie because he's um, taken hostage by the Riddler. He's got a... A bomb put around his neck and he's forced to drive his truck into the memorial service for the mayor and then it ends up with him alone in this church and Batman has to come in and, and sort of uh, you think he's going to do whatever what, what they always do is you know either defuse a bomb or throw it away or do something at the last minute but that's not what happens again spoilers for this entire movie but uh, yeah. you know you have this moment with Batman trying to get Skarsgård's character to tell him who the uh, the rat is, and he's like, "I'm dead. I'm dead either way. So fuck you." <laughs> yeah, really yeah. great moment. What do you think of this? Yeah, no, I I was like, "Oh wait, that's Peter Skarsgård. That's uh, that's that's the guy from Garden yep. State, huh?" Okay, yep. he was really great in this. Um, so yeah, really, this this one of those moments yeah. you really, really really have to. Um, you know, suspend dis- disbelief because he's got this bomb around his neck, which ma- massive, you know, bomb goes off with uh, Batman inches away from it, you know, and he just wakes up later with like a concussion or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, at least put your arms in the way or get something between you and the bomb. It's like, <laughs> eh, that's, that's, that's something. Um, but yeah. it, there's so many great moments in this. I was, I was thinking back to the moments where he's going to the club. I think it was called the Iceberg Lounge. And he goes there three times, right? Because mm-hmm. he first time he goes there, he goes there as Batman. Um, says, you know, do what? Do, do do you know who I am? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they let him in, whatever. Second time he goes in as Bruce Wayne. Um, did he fight his way in the second time? I think they or they just let him in. I forget. No, yeah, he just he used his his clout and his uh, name record. He does say it again. He does say, "Do you know yeah. who I am?" Uh, as both Batman and Bruce Wayne, which I thought was a really nice, interesting yeah, touch. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear? They had a little uh, moment in there where people were saying like he they might have recognized him because um, they do this thing with their twins and one of them go, he'll he'll open the door say okay you're Bruce Wayne closes the door the other twin will come by and then they'll let him in and right before they cut to the next scene when Bruce is sitting there there one says one twin says to the other see what did I tell you and so I thought maybe they were like oh this is the guy look like look at this guy look at his height look at who he is. You know, I thought maybe there was some recognition there. Maybe I'm seeing mm-hmm. something that wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then the third time <laughs> he goes there, right, he's a mix of the two. Like the mm-hmm. door opens, the guy, the bodyguard, the, the door guy walks out, and you see him slipping behind him. So he's both Bruce Wayne at that moment, but then he also transforms into Batman later on. So I uh, thought that was an interesting uh, dichotomy there. Yeah, and definitely, you know, because we talked about how, you know, both times he's like, do you know who I am? And he's using... The fact that either he is Bruce Wayne and he kind of get can use his name to get in, or he's Batman and he can use his you know physical punching skills. Like it's like you got to know who this guy is. But in this one, he's just like there's no ego to it. He's removed his ego completely. 
He's he's this halfway between. He's not trying to be Bruce. He's not trying to be Batman. He's just going in and doing what he needs to do. So I thought that was a really cool yeah, way to do it. Yeah, very 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 cool. Um, so let's see. So yeah, just again, <laughs> it's this weird thing. You just suspend disbelief, but especially in that moment, there was a couple other moments where he's like, he's Batman, and then smash cut to thirty seconds later, and he's out of the suit and he's on his he's on his motorcycle. I thought that was <laughs> it's like oh, he's got a very like a zipper in the back. He just like takes it off real quick. So that was that, that was interesting. Uh, I'm just thinking about that. I like though that at least they they show that he actually is wearing yes. the eye makeup because in all the other Batman movies they're wearing the eye makeup and they take off the mask and there's no eye makeup and I like that they actually committed and went with the you can see it when he's still on it looked yeah, cool it too it so. looked very cool people calling him because of that you know emo Batman uh, <laughs> with the with the eye shadow and the hair and all that yeah 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 um so anything else you noticed that I haven't really brought up yet before we get to actually you know talk about the plot a little bit. Well, I, I think that it was really interesting to see an actual Batman being a detective yeah. movie, right? Because he is, like, you know, famous for being this great detective, but none of the movies have really done that. Like, they've all just been kind of like, okay, Batman kind of punch, going to save, you know, but he's like actually solving a mystery here, and I thought that was, that's why the Riddler was the perfect villain, because he's setting up all these clues, and he's got to get to the bottom of this, whereas, you know, before this, the most... Batman mystery Batman ever solves the most detective stuff he does is that whole magic bullet thing that makes negative fucking sense from the Dark Knight. That still pisses yeah. me off. I'm like, what happened there? Um, but this one, it was really cool to see Batman being a detective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They were talking about that through entire uh, pre-production and the uh, the marketing for this made it. You know, they were saying he was going to be that. So great, yeah, great detective work. You know, there's some things where you could be like, yeah, he should have seen that sooner. But you know, overall really great version of that really great yeah neo-noir detective batman really really great so the basic plot is you know the riddler is killing all these major characters throughout the throughout gotham he's killing he killed the mayor he's killing all of these people that are lying all the time and his his motivation is that he grew up in the orphanage that that um Bruce Wayne's parents set up, but it was, you know, run down and he's pissed because uh, Bruce was talking about all this pain and this trauma that he went through. And he's saying like, you didn't know trauma. You didn't know, you didn't know pain. I actually had to, you know, sleep 20 to a room and had rats eating my feet and blah, 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 all this and that. So he's very much trying to, you know, root out all the, the bad people and the corrupt police officers and corrupt politicians. And that's, that's why you see near the end here, and we'll talk about, you know, full spoilers for this movie going on from this point on, but he, you know, he says to him at one point, you know, find the rat, find the rat, find the rat. So he, he figures out that it was, um, uh, Tutorial's character, uh, Carmone, Carbone, I forgot what his name was. Carbone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Falcone. Carmine, Carmine Falcone. Falcone was the rat. And he was interesting that the, um, he was talking to, the officer, the the narcotics officer that they pinned earlier on as uh, had his name here, Colson. Was it Colson? No, no, not Colson. Uh, what was his name? The uh, narcotics guy that he they pinned because he was like, "Who is the guy? Who is the mustache with the broken nose?" And the guy and uh, Gordon was like, "He's uh, this guy. He's a narcotics." Oh, they don't have his name here. Uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. They have everybody but the guy I'm looking for. Um. Anyways, it was Catwoman has him at their meeting spot, the spot where they have the bat signal, and she's telling him, you know, I found evidence that uh, – I can't think of the guy's – Falcone, 
murdered her friend and they have it on tape and they're about to kill this guy and she and batman's like don't do it you'll you'll regret it it'll be on your soul or whatever blah 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 just kill people come on batman that's <laughs> this whole thing pissed me up about yeah. batman he's just yeah. you know kill the guy you know be done with it it's fine but um so they figure out through all of this detective work that it is falcone that was the rat the entire time and they ask him you know is it falcone he's like does falcone work for you guys and he's like no we work for, for Falcone. You know, the police work for, for him. The politicians work for him. So they release the tape of Falcone killing the girl because she knew all of this. <clears throat> they arrest Falcone. They bring him out to be arrested. And he's like, hey, uh, Gordon, don't you know the police work for me? I'll be out in a day. And he's like, not everyone works for you. So they pull him out um, to the street and all these cops are waiting for him. And uh, the penguin was about to pull out a gun and shoot him, but the shot rings out and Falcone, uh, you know, is shot and eventually dies. And uh, Batman figures out, oh, shit, he wanted me to do that. He wanted me to bring this guy out there so he could pull out a gun and shoot the guy. So uh, a few scenes later, they find um, Paul Dano, the Riddler, sitting at a uh, coffee shop, sitting there waiting for them. And they find him and they arrest him. And so now you have... Uh, the scene with Riddler in a very reminiscent scene from The Dark Knight with the Riddler and Batman in in lockup, and the Batman's just like, okay, you know, exposition exposition time. Tell me why you did it, <laughs> and uh, and the and Riddler's like, you know, what do you mean why I did it? We were working together. I gave you all these clues. I told you who the guy was. You brought him out, and I shot him. So good work, team. And he's like, we are a team. He's like, what? He's like, you're a piece of shit. You're going to die alone. And Riddler's like, no, 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 no. Fuck you. Fuck you. This isn't how this is supposed to go. What did you think of that scene? Because it's very reminiscent of The Dark Knight. What did you think of, Dan- of Dano in that scene? Oh, I thought he was great. And I thought that was the scene that kind of like was that. And then um, a later scene where it was hinting at like what the message of the movie overall was for me was like, you know, there's these people uh, that like Batman is supposed to inspire this change, but he's inspiring the wrong kind of people. And it's it's very much like I feel like, um, you know, people who like this kind of guy, these angry people on the Internet who are all big fans of like Fight Club and The Matrix. And then when they find out the directors of these movies are are, are on, you know, on their same like side, like when they find out the directors of The Matrix are trans and they're like, wait, we're going to to the red pill. You know, it's like that same kind of thing, you know, and I felt like Dano is a very good avatar for that kind of angry guy on the Internet who totally misinterprets a message from yeah, someone. Yeah, exactly. And so he tells him, you know, the ruler tells him, don't you, didn't you figure out the rest of it? And he's like, what did you do? What did you do? Very reminiscent of, where is she? Where's Rachel? Where's the bomb? <laughs> so um, he planted a bomb throughout the city, throughout uh, next to the uh, retaining walls for the uh, Gotham River. River. So uh, because Batman is not a great detective at this point, again, you know, it's a detective movie. He did he did solve some very interesting riddles. He did get close, but unfortunately, he's still too inexperienced to to solve the entire thing. Again, very interesting to make him. You're showing him being valuable. You're showing him being a human, and you're showing that you know he's he's going down this path of vengeance. And that vengeance isn't everything. So uh, these bombs do go off. Um, they flood the city. There is a uh, celebration. There is a uh, election night celebration going on with the mayor elect in the uh, Gotham. I think they call that what Gotham uh, Square Central, Gotham Square Garden, something like that, where they're having 
Oh, yeah, it's because it's supposed to be like yeah. Madison Square Garden. It's like Gotham. Yeah, Garden, yeah. You know? So they're having the celebration. Yeah. She won. The progressive, the progressive candidate won. So they're having the um, election night celebration there. The retaining walls fail. The city gets flooded. Um, so all of these people that are in the garden are now uh, – they're, they're supposed to be the, the place of last resort, but the entire place is being flooded. Um, so Batman has to come in. And um, this is this is gets very uh, very dicey because <laughs> it's like this could actually happen because you yeah. have all these our our mm. vigilantes coming into the uh, the garden center there and now they're all they get into the rafters and they all start shooting down um, at the uh, the mayor elect they um, they you know the mayor is this very um, idealistic young progressive candidate she's like one of them her security guard tells her you know you have to get out of here there's dangerous people coming i have to get you as a safety and she's like no this is the problem with the city you guys just run away all the time well in this one situation i would recommend doing that but anyway <laughs> she she runs <laughs> out to the podium to just uh tell everyone hey calm down everybody let's get the fuck out of here there's some security guards are going to help you escape blah 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 and because she's out there she makes herself a target and one of them takes a shot at her um doesn't doesn't kill her but injures her and gordon um you know whisk her away at this point um batman gets there you know fighting all these guys up in the rafters um get that shot point blank with these high caliber rifles so you know what, what he's got on what is his armor <laughs> that takes all this damage this point blank <laughs> damage but um he's taking these guys out one by one um really great action set piece there because he's on again these moments of his failability he what, what is it he gets he's on top of the i don't know what you call that the the projection the um the, the thing at the top of the the rafters he, he oh the yeah the the you know the yeah the the big yeah. tv yeah he's, on, he's on top of that yeah. and he the the jump jumbotron exactly. so the giant jumbotron he's on top of that getting shot at and i think what at this, this point uh catwoman comes in rescues him um and so th- it's at this point you know he they they kiss or whatever she gets attacked by some guy they didn't see and he punches that guy and the guy then gordon comes over and says stop it stop it stop it because he <laughs> he had to inject himself with some uh, adrenaline yeah. like he's in call of duty or whatever so he gets up beats the shit out of this guy yeah. gordon says stop it stop it stop it and then again like you mentioned this this the message of the movie is cemented here where he gets off the guy they pull the 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 hood off the guy and they're like who are you what are you doing and the guy's like i'm vengeance and so batman again realizes okay i fucked up <laughs> i've been trying to do this one way yeah. i tried to instill fear into the city and that worked to us to a certain degree you know some people are afraid of me you know i'm in the shadows i'm fighting these guys in the shadows i'm beating up these guys up but it also inspired the riddler and the riddler inspired these guys to take up this mantle of, you know, we're going to, we're just going to kill everybody because it, like you said, it is that incel. It is that red pilling uh, mentality of all the politicians are terrible. The system is failing. So I'm going to help it fail even more. Um, so he realizes, okay, I fucked up. Um, really, really great moments again of the, he, 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 um, the Jumbotron, like you said, <clears throat> starts to fall down. All these wires are falling down. The retaining wall falls even more in the city, in the uh, in the garden center itself. So the garden center starts flooding, and all these people that are on ground floor are going to be electrocuted because there's the, these giant um, transformer blows and all the wires come down. So Batman, in a in a uh, moment of sacrifice, 
um, jumps to this giant wire that's going to electrocute everybody, cuts the wire with this centerpiece, this mantle on his chest, which is I, I thought was an interesting, um, interesting moment of, of, of low tech there. That was pretty cool. Um, cut, cuts the wire and falls to the ground. And did you think there was any chance of him dying there? No, I was like, oh, okay, that's supposed to be this big self-sacrificing yeah. moment, but uh, this is the start of a yeah. franchise. We're not going to kill off <laughs> Batman right now. Yeah, people were saying like it, it was. I think it was Film Spotting saying like that would have been an interesting take, where it's this you know self-contained story, the self-contained universe, not yeah. related to anything else that we know of so far. So you could just be like, okay, this guy has realized he's any he, any he even alluded to part of it where he's saying you know the Riddler this this mission. This this could be the end of the Batman, so they were alluding to maybe him dying, but he but he falls mm-hmm. into, into like you know ten feet of water, so he's fine, I guess. <laughs> he felt like, yeah, he's good. He's uh, the worst case scenario. He's gonna be him and Zoe Kravitz are gonna be in a cafe in France, and then yeah. uh, Andy Serkis is gonna look up and see him. You know, like Batman's yeah, no, not no, die. it can't happen. But uh, so he gets up, but again, one of these great composed moments visually composed moments of him <clears throat> he gets up and he and he pulls out this flare and he goes over to these he goes over to the mayor and some survivors and this boy that they've been alluding to again of showing him being like okay this is a you know juxta- juxtaposition of him seeing a boy a young scared boy after having his parent killed very reminiscent of him of his family being killed and also just like to note that it's great that he didn't show his parents being killed but they did talk about it a little bit there so that was great mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't need to see those pearls falling anymore yeah, exactly. like, i'm good exactly i'm good I've seen it like 18 times. <laughs> so the boys the first one to grab his hand because it's him it's a moment of him showing that he is it's trying to instill hope as, as opposed to be, being a vigilante being vengeance instilling fear it's him it's his first moment of trying to inspire hope so that was a really great moment of him pulling these survivors out incredible shot of the it's a top down shot of him and the flare and just a red emitting light of him guiding these people out of the uh out of the stadium really great moment right and and also something that i thought was interesting was and i don't know if they actually address it in the movie but because there's a rumor that i heard when they first showed the bat suit is that his symbol that he kind of takes off his chest because it was in one of the I don't know which one but one of the runs of Batman his symbol is actually made from the gun that kills his parents and then so he uses that to save everybody he and then when he comes up it's gone he doesn't have it anymore so that to me was like him symbolic of him letting go of this vengeance you know this this thing that he's been holding on to and keeping right on his chest that is the you know literal thing that he's been fighting for this vengeance and he finally is able to let that go and instead lead with yeah, hope yeah exactly yeah they i did get a little choked up at that moment because there's you know the, all this debris and all this um destruction around him and he's pulling people out of the rubble and and uh carrying some people and and holding their hands and there's this there's this phrase that i think uh mr rogers said back in the day was you know you you see these moments of atrocities the moments of destruction and um you know i think it was his mother that said to him you know look when you see these images of death and destruction, always look for the helpers. And that was a really great representation of that, of him, not just him punching people in the face, not just him, you know, taking down bad guys of, you know, doing the detective work, but now he's doing the actual work of helping people rebuild their lives. So that was really great. Yeah. 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 So I think that about wraps it up unless you have anything else I didn't mention. Yeah. I think that, that just, that just about does it. I think. Um, Do have to allude. Yeah. Oh, one, one thing or two I want to mention though, I forgot. Is um I do like that the villains in this movie it feels like just like the comic books or the TV show where there's just villains in Gotham 
And that's one thing I think all the other movies have done. It's like, ah, here's this new villain. It's, there's always, it's always like a villain of the week. Like, here's Bane, or here's, you know, uh, the Joker. And they're just going to show up for one movie, and then Batman will... You won't... Those three years or whatever that... Um, between movies, Batman's just fighting whatever random criminals. But it, in this world, it feels like, oh, there's just super villains around here. And, uh, you know, Batman kind of... There's always going to be the Penguin, and Catwoman might come back. And, you know, we've already got... Somebody who might be the Joker locked up in prison, so he's maybe dealt with him before. So it just feels like this is a world, this is a Gotham City, like in the comics, like in the shows, where there's just bad guys always. Yeah, around. yeah. I, you remind me of um, that first, the first fight scene. Great, great fight scene. <laughs> great build up to that first fight scene. Great build up to the first, um, uh, first reveal of the Batmobile. Um, but the fight scene at the very beginning of mm-hmm. the of the gang of guys that were going to beat up that the man, um, they. One of the kids, you know, has the half half makeup, and he's sort of like he has to be initiated into the gang by beating up this old Asian man. Mm-hmm. And uh, very interesting. I don't know. He was a he was a young black kid with half makeup, and it looked. Did it remind you at all of like Cyborg with the half half white face of the black guy with the half white face? You know, I didn't even think about that. I the one I, what I was thinking about was Two Face and like how Billy D. Williams was originally supposed yeah. to be Two Face before he got recast by Tommy Lee Jones. But yeah, I could see the yeah, cyborg yeah. thing. Very very cool moments. Love this movie a lot. And you alluded to it there. Uh, Barry Keegan was the uh, prisoner at the end. There he was supposed to be very. Uh, uh, what's a just a a quick little nod to the Joker, right? He's saying like. Everyone, every you know, you, one day you're this guy, and the next day you're a clown. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, we got it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's all we needed. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, so yep. really, really. There's enough Jokers. We I don't need any yeah, more Jokers. There's like not for a while. There's like three active Jokers. There already. is. There is. There's um Jared Leto. There is um what's his name Joaquin Phoenix, and who who, mm-hmm. who will be the third one? And then Barry, Barry this guy Barry. now, Barry Keoghan, I can never pronounce I think Keegan is just, uh, yeah, quick little Keegan. Keegan, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, where would you rank this among the modern Batman films? You know, I was thinking yeah. about this, and I think that it's probably my third favorite of the live-action Batman movies. Um, probably behind, uh, my top two would probably be Batman Begins and Batman Returns. I kind of like... There's one in each series that I think... I mean, I, I know people love, love, love The Dark Knight, and I do too, but for me, Batman Begins was the height of the Nolan movies, and I really love just the just how messed up uh, Keaton was in uh, Batman Returns, and it feels like it hits a lot of the things I liked about both those movies. In this yeah, movie. I really have to go back and revisit the first Batman, 89 Batman. Got to revisit Batman Returns. Um I gotta still. I think the last time I saw Batman Begins and Dark Knight might have been when Dark Knight Rises came out. I saw them back to back before the third one came out. So that was the last time I, I gotta re-see. I gotta re-see a lot of those. But <laughs> right now, watching yeah, this, yeah. this is this was really good. I think that I put this at number three. Dark Knight number one. Um, Batman Begins number two, and this is number three. This is really really good. I like this a lot. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, I think that'll do it. Great, great discussion. Long discussion, but it was a long movie. <laughs> yeah. lot, very, very long movie. Yeah. Got to get yeah. all that stuff in there. So, got to plug uh-huh. some stuff here. Uh, I had the Lena Wilson discussion on Monday. That's still up there. So, check that out. She writes for the New York Times, the playlist, and she's at Neil Moms on TikTok. Uh, check out my blog, uh, damien.sherman.medium.com. We 
posting reviews up there. Um, so yeah, you go ahead. What do you got to plug? Yeah, so I also do a podcast called Underrated, um, where we talk about underrated films um, or ones that have just slipped under the radar and stuff. Uh, so that what that is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So just look up Underrated or Undercast Company, um, and that should come right up. However you're listening to this, you can listen to Underrated there. Are as well. you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can check me out. Um, just by looking up Derek McDuff or on Instagram, uh, Derek's photos, that's D E R I C K, um, for Derek. Um, so yeah. Uh, and you can also follow, you know, uh, undercast company, um, you know, my kind of pod, uh, the podcast, uh, for underrated on either of those apps or any of the other yeah, apps. Yeah. Like I said, uh, mine is also anywhere you get your podcast. So I think that'll do it for, can I say something? I have a Damien. I'm and we'll Derek. see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.